0: I'm Alice Living, best-selling author, personal trainer, and host of Give Me Strength, where we discuss the positives of living a stronger life physically and mentally, with the hope to inspire you to do the same. Welcome to Give Me Strength. My guest today is Chloe Maidley, who is a personal trainer best-selling author, podcaster, and fitness expert who makes up half of the fat loss expert duo, The EC Method. I have followed Chloe for many years online, and I've seen her go through things like motherhood to now being in the place that she is and just looking as fabulous as she does today. So I'm really excited to talk to her about her personal approach to both health and well-being and more.
1: Chloe, thank you so much for coming on. We were saying that it's a long time coming, you coming on the podcast. It's really, really strange that we've never actually done a podcast together before I think I tried to get you on my first or second series of the podcast and I can't remember what happened but it didn't work it didn't it didn't work out and then now I'm here I'm like why why are we only just doing this now because we kind of came up around about the same time didn't we I mean or we started around about the same time but you're doing phenomenally well you're like an absolute force to be reckoned with in the industry and yeah I absolutely love following you thank you Chloe and I love following you and
0: I and I am Yeah, I think that it's an interesting thing, isn't it? When you follow someone online for ages and you feel as though you do know them. Like I feel when you came on today, I was like, oh, of course it's Chloe. Like I know her. (laughs) It's such a weird like level of comfortableness with each other. Really interesting. I feel like
1: it was the same with Hayley Madigan, actually, because me and Hayley made friends over Instagram when I was going through a time with my body where I was really you know I think me you and Haley all have this in common actually with really pendulum swinging between either being really in shape and shredded for a shoot and then going on holiday and like kind of falling in what I call it as a coach the fuck it bucket and then gaining loads of body fat back and then Swing, 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 and really messing with my relationship with food and my relationship with my body. And I remember, like, I I think it was twenty eighteen. I just all came to a head, and I was like, oh, I can't keep doing this. And I reached out to Haley, and Haley like coached me out of it, just as a friend over Instagram. And I spent a year like really aiming to have like food neutrality and body neutrality, and being okay with gaining weight, and just trying to get my sanity back. And And it worked and I'm so happy I did it. And I feel like at the same time, it was like you, me and were all going through that that motion. So it's interesting. We're kind of in sync, I think. And let's go into that because I think that's such a great place to start. We've dove straight into like the
0: deep stuff, but I do think that it's really interesting that you've touched on that. You know, you said that you struggled with your body image and you spent a long time kind of bouncing between, I guess, feeling the need to be lean and kind of all of the things that come along with that versus actually just trying to Live a quote unquote normal life and enjoy all of the like kind of fun stuff that comes along with that. and and finding yourself, I guess, as much as I did, just sort of bouncing between these two places and not really knowing what was what was best. And you know, I think that all of this is compounded by the fact that you know, I don't know anyone that doesn't feel that they look better when they were leaner. and unfortunately, that's just the way that our minds are made up. It's the environment in which we exist. It's the narrative that we've been told from as young as you know day dot that to be small is to be better. But I'd love to hear about how you did use that year to kind of unlearn a lot of those really harmful rhetorics and and come to a place of being more comfortable in who you are, because that's a really difficult
1: thing to do, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. I want to I want to start by saying I'm extremely lucky in that I have never, ever had body image issues before. And I have never suffered with an eating disorder. So when I got into training, it was purely for training. I fell in love with weightlifting. My ex boyfriend was a bodybuilder and a personal trainer, and he wanted more female clients. And I was doing a lot of TV at the time. So he took me to the gym and we did a weightlifting session, and it was immediate. And everyone thinks it sounds so silly, but it was immediate. I was like, okay, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And then I started watching him PT. And I was really jealous that, like, he was showing people how to do this thing that was meaning so much to me and having such an impact on me at that time. And so I left work and TV and I went and got fully qualified and you know you do level 2 or level three and then i did a course in nutrition as well and i started becoming a personal trainer in my local area and i started you know doing it and it was all for the love of weightlifting i wanted to teach women how to lift weights because it did so much for me mentally and then you know once i started to take it seriously in terms of my nutrition as well it did a lot for me physically it was changing my body and then something weird happened a few months in obviously at the time i you know i just stopped working tv so i still had quite a profile everyone started to pick up on the photos I was putting out there. And I started to get this like media profile about being like a personal trainer and being kind of quote unquote in shape. And you know, should women be lifting weights was the unbelievably sexist debate at the time. And all of a sudden it kind of felt like the pressure was on and I had to look a certain way and I started doing photo shoots. And then I was like, well, I'm doing a photo shoot. So I have to get really, really lean. And we all know that with that kind of hyper-focus on your body comes a hyper-focus on your body. And also like some restriction issues because you can't get that lean without being restrictive it doesn't work you have to and it was fine at first and then it just started and we all know this like we've all been there. it just started to unravel and i started to pendulum sing for the first time in my life i was i was only in shape when i was shredded which is ridiculous can i just say someone who works still works in the physique space and is in you know pretty all right shape now it's ridiculous to think that you only are quote quote, in shape when you're shredded (laughs) it's a sad look but it's not all encompassing and then i and then obviously with the pin this pendulum swing with food? And I realized quite quickly, like, oh no, this is a dangerous road, and so had to had to kind of pull back from it. And like I say, I implemented a targeted year. It was the same year that James retired from rugby, and we we decided to travel a lot. So it was perfect—a targeted year to come away from overtraining and still try and be active, and but come away from overtraining, come away from restricting my dietary intake, and really be okay with gaining some weight and staying in that body, staying put in that body a period of time, and it, and it, it worked. Um, and I still work in physique now, both for myself and my clients, and I love it. But if I hadn't taken that year, I think it could have ended very differently.
0: And this is the thing that's so um, interesting to me is that you, you, you know, you say that you still work in the kind of physique space, and I think that's a that's a great thing. But one of the things that I am interested, therefore, to understand is as someone who's trying to come at it from, I guess, a more intuitive, positive body image place. How do you navigate that tricky road of trying to keep people in a positive place in terms of their relationship with food and the relationship with their body whilst also pursuing a fat loss goal?
1: Yeah, I think it's really important for everyone to understand that a lot of women have a fat loss goal for health reasons, not just aesthetic reasons. So a lot of my clients, for example, are going through the menopause and have gained a lot of body fat and they feel very uncomfortable in their own skin and it's affecting their mental health, but their bodies change, and the the where they store fat on their bodies has changed and they need some coaching, they need some help. Equally, I have a lot of clients who are in an unhealthy BMI bracket and we can debate BMI until we're blue in the face, but ultimately as a general bracket, it is a good thing to go by and they want to start IVF or they're having trouble conceiving so they have a fat loss or and I also have clients who you know, get again like me when I started. They don't have any body image issues. They've never done this before. They've started getting into training and they want to see what they're doing to their body. And I have I have absolute time, respect, and validation for anyone who has a physique goal. I as someone like I said who started training and was continuing training for a long time, getting in good shape. I had nothing but positive kind of thoughts, responses, and vibes around it. It wasn't until I really started being in the media, known for this thing, and this. It's quite specific to my journey and doing these photo shoots that I was getting paid by like a big press corporations to do. That's when it started to get quite tricky for me. But for a general everyday client who has a job and is a mom or isn't a mom, but wants to get in great shape, I don't think that that you have. I think it's um, I think it's it's a bit of a myth that in order to do that, you have to punish your body and you have to develop you know disordered eating tendencies. I don't think that's true. I think that you can take an average woman and you can help her with a physique goal without at any point messing with her relationship with. A healthy body, healthy mind, healthy food intake. and Like I say, if I look back on my journey and I take out my experience of being in the public eye and doing so many photo shoots, I don't think I would have ever struggled with it like that. I think it was because I felt like all of a sudden it was how I looked was my sole place in the industry. And it's taken me a few years to realize that actually I do a lot more than that, and I'm and I'm a better coach than just whether or not I have abs.
0: I think that's a really good point, and I totally relate to that sense of like you know validation that you get from looking a certain way and people telling you you look amazing, but also then being on this pedestal where if you even step off it just with a toe, you're like oh my god, people aren't going to respect me anymore, they're not going to follow me anymore, they're not going to want to listen to anything I have to say because I don't look like this kind of um, ultimate goal that they've aspired to to kind of be like. So. I do get that. I think, though, that it's, you know, it's one of these hard things where I I sit in the camp where I think that I I support women with whatever they want to do with their bodies. And I think that we have to have kind of complete conviction in supporting women to have autonomy over however they choose to kind of pursue whatever it is that they want to do for themselves. I do fundamentally believe that. But I do think that a big chunk of, and I'm not putting you in this chunk because I know that you're not, but a big chunk of the fat loss focused fitness industry has a lot of blood on their hands when it comes to how women approach, you know, physique goals and just generally fitness, you know, in itself, you know, we are constantly sold rubbish in terms of, you know, do this and you'll look like this, or you've got to do this in order to look like this. You know, the narratives can be so problematic and it's really hard to then able to kind of as you know as it, you could say that we've got to take a complete average woman to be able to cut through all of that stuff and come out of it relatively unscathed in terms of, in terms of her relationship with her body and with food and with you know exercise so i think that what i'd love to know is how how you do things differently i guess how is it that you take a woman who you know has a completely legitimate fat loss goal and wants to, wants to achieve that but wants to do it in a way that doesn't then destroy her her kind of um
1: relationship with the really important touch points in our lives, such as food, body image, exercise. So I think it's a a massive false dichotomy. And I think it's a really big problem in our industry to think that you can't have healthy fat loss. I think unfortunately that narrative of you can't have a healthy fat loss goal, you can't be healthy and want fat loss. You don't love yourself if you want to lose some body fat, which is just stored energy on your body. You're a victim of the patriarchy. I'm sorry, but it's just in my experience as a coach, and you know, on the ECU method, we have four to eight hundred clients every round, and my one-to-one, you know, I I have um, in the double digits, but obviously nowhere near that. And I I can very safely say, after twelve years of coaching, that it's just not true that um, you can't have a healthy fat loss journey. You absolutely can, and I think it's really problematic telling women that they can't and telling women that the their only option is self-love. Um, and to accept everything, to accept body acceptance. I think it's really dangerous because I think there's a whole bracket of women out there who are trying to lose body fat to get healthy, whether it is mental health or physical health. Um, I think telling them to give up because you can't have both is actually really irresponsible, especially if you're working in the health and fitness industry. I just want to jump in and just say two things. One of the things that just came up, sorry
0: to interrupt us as, as you were going on that. Do you think that the two can co- co- coexist at the same time? As in, you said, you know, that um, in order to pursue a healthy fat loss goal, you can do that in a healthy way. And to sort of say that you can do it through self-love is irresponsible. I'm of the belief that the two
1: can coexist. There seems to be like this understanding in our industry and in the mainstream media that it's one or the other. And I'm saying it's a false dichotomy. It's not one or the other. You can do you can do both. You can fall in love with yourself and still have a fat loss goal and still want to feel a certain way on your own skin. And actually it's really connected, like feeling good in my own skin. And I'm not shredded like I used to be by any stretch of the imagination, but feeling good in my own skin is still a huge part of my mental health day to day. And I'd be lying if I said it wasn't. And I think telling women that that makes them kind of a bad woman. And that that means that they're kind of letting the side down or like, you know, not not in the context that you used it, but just the same term, you know, they have blood on their hands. I think it's really irresponsible because I think it's actually encouraging an unhealthy relationship with bodies and with food. and it doesn't need to be like that. as you say, you can coexist. And it's just I feel I feel like it's it's very hard to tell women that they need to fall in love with all their flaws. I think neutrality is fair. I think neutrality is something we should all aim for and all be accepting on. But I actually think it's really pushing women. And in a, in, in a very unrealistic direction to tell them that they should fall in love with something about their body that they've always struggled or been uncomfortable with, and again, that isn't really helping because you're they're on they're on a hiding to nothing. You know they're on route to nowhere if they know that they've always hated even if it's something like one of their toes is half an inch longer than the other one, they're not going to all of a sudden fall in love with it when they're 42. It's not going to happen, you know? I agree with some of that. I, I,
0: just, I feel that my approach to it and the only thing that I would just challenge is I think that what's difficult to tie up is that there's a false narrative in the sense that achieving fat loss is then going to make you love yourself because I don't always believe that to be the case. I don't believe that there's a direct correlation between losing body fat and then finding a sense of positive body image and coming out the other side a, a better person do you see what i mean so i totally understand what you're saying but i think that um i think that it's again going back to that point and i think we are on the same page here i don't think we're disagreeing as such but i think the two things almost have to coexist i you can't just pursue a fat loss goal and kind of discount the fact that you're also going to have to work on your body image at the same time because simply losing body fat doesn't equal being happier and better in yourself.
1: Do you see what I mean? So I hope none of my clients think that if they lose 5 pounds of body fat they're going to fall in love with themselves. I mean, I really hope they don't think that. It's the same with everything, you know, putting you know, 500 pounds in your bank account is, not all of a sudden going to make you feel financially stable. But it, it doesn't work like that. These things are fluid. You know, you talk about money being transactional, you talk about body fat being a reflection. And actually, you know, your body type at that point in time is a reflection of that point in time. These things are transitional. These things are fluid and you have to be fluid with them. Um, and there's no way in hell that, you know, if you, if you change something about how you look, you're going to find the holy grail of of self love, self acceptance, and happiness. It's not going to happen. Um, but that's what the difference between coaching and being a personal trainer. With coaching, you try and take this kind of all encompassing, I guess, what is it called, the ten thousand foot approach of view of life, and you try and help clients navigate through this and get to a point where they feel happy, healthy. Um, you know, again, as a person, uh, bringing the personal training element into it. Strong, active. Um, but it isn't, it isn't about finding happiness by losing some body fat. And I don't think it is about that. And I think this is what I mean. I do think there is this narrative now that's kind of driving a wedge of like, it's one or the other. And it's not one or the other. You can have healthy fat loss, you can have a fat loss goal and have healthy body image. You can be in a calorie deficit and still have a varied food intake, including the things that you think you quote unquote can't eat on a diet. You can do these things, and I actually think you know there's there is a lot of you know Emma and I talk about this often. There's a lot of people in the space right now, females I should say, in the space right now, who are saying out loud a lot that they, you know, they don't they don't believe in in fat loss. They don't believe in a physique goal anymore. Just to be more broad about it, it should never be about how you look. Who behind the scenes are coming to Emma and or I and saying, "Hey, look, like I'm in this weird place. Can you help me?" I mean, that one person that comes to mind is a, a, a friend of mine, she's a feminist, and she's very much banging the anti-diet drum very loudly. Now, the, the self-love community, the anti-diet messaging, these are not bad messages at all. What I'm saying is bad is the false dichotomy that it's one or the other, and it's not, and it doesn't have to be like that. And then the behind the scenes is saying to me, hey, I've got this thing and I need to lose 10 pounds to feel comfortable while I do it. Can you help me? And I think that actually maybe more women need to come forward and be more honest and say, I still care about how I look and I still love myself. And it's okay, like you can still you can still love yourself and realize like, oh shit, my roots are showing through. I should probably get my hair done in the next two weeks. It doesn't mean you hate yourself. It doesn't mean you hate your hair. It just means that you're like, oh, that's a bit of maintenance or upkeep that'll make me feel good about myself, so I'll do it. And I find it really interesting as well that there's so many influences and in females in the space Who are all for like, this is my beauty treatment. This is how I do my hair. This is how I do my nose. This is the makeup I wear. This is my new designer bag. Who then decide to stick a a flag in the sand and say, but you shouldn't care about how you look because that means you have a bad relationship with your body. And it's like, but you're doing that in so many other contexts. And I think people just maybe need to broaden their perspective on it and also potentially be a bit more honest about it.
0: Yeah, I hear what you're saying. And, I, and I, I fundamentally agree. Like I said at the start, I think we're both coming at it from the same perspective in the sense that I, you know, I, I preface the chat by saying I fully support whatever women want to do for their bodies and whatever makes them feel good. And look, that ebbs and flows through someone's life. Someone can go through phases where they go, you know, and I've had it, full disclosure, like I've had moments where I've gone, shit. You know, even as even as much as recently, I'm getting married next year. I'm gonna be. I would be lying if I said they hadn't had ten thousand thoughts go through my head that are like, "Oh, what if I lose a bit of weight? Will I look better in my dress? Oh, should I be smaller? Am I going to be happier if I lose a little bit of body fat for my wedding day? You know." And as much as like months ago, being like, "Oh, actually, you know," and I talk about this very openly on my Instagram. There isn't a day goes by where a thought comes into my head that goes like, "What's driving me me like losing weight?" Like, and I, I think. What I'm coming at is saying um, I think that it's really important that the two go hand in hand rather than this kind of idea that I first started on, which is solely let me just lose weight, get to a point where I'm um, shredded as possible, and then what's next? I think that I I just believe that it's it should be a bit more of a journey and I think that um, I felt like I kind of, I did that journey, but I came out the other side quite damaged in the sense that I just had no idea of truthfully. So, for example, yeah, you know, my own my own situation, I dieted, 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 and then had no support to go. Well, what the hell's next? So then, as you said at the start, I then yo yoed because I had no idea what to do next. And so, you know, it's a very complicated journey. And I think that what I found is. You know, I, I again, I fundamentally believe that um, someone can have a positive fat loss goal and do that in a very healthy way. And I, you know, I still count myself as a personal trainer. I have an app that helps thousands of women, and we cater to fat loss, you know, phases. It's, it's not something that I'm completely anti because I think that would be wrong of me to say that. I don't fundamentally agree that women shouldn't have the choice and the ability to do whatever makes them feel good. But I do believe that there needs to be some level of accountability within that to account for things like relationship with food, relationship with their body, so that it's not this kind of like 12-week, you know, 18-week, whatever it is, phase where someone diets down, they have a great kind of vibe going, and then they get to the end of that. And it's like, oh, what next? Now, I'm only good enough if I stay as a size eight or whatever I've got to by doing this fat loss phase. Now, this is the only place that I can ever be in that's good enough. Do you see what I mean? So it's 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 not that I'm saying you know what you what you're doing is is in any way wrong like I I I don't believe that at all I'm just saying that my only kind of caveat to, to I guess the whole conversation is I believe that there needs to be a bit more of a kind of holistic approach which which you've also said you know especially when it comes to like the neutrality stuff and all that kind of thing I think that is important but I think yeah if my situation were anything that I could take lessons from it would be there needs to be some level of conversation around those other things as well, the other things that make up who we are and what we are and the health, you know, kind of profile that we have that isn't just solely focused on dieting down to a certain place and that being the pinnacle of who you are.
1: Yeah. And I don't think it is. I mean, just to be clear, I would say, Maybe fifty percent of my total client base has a fat loss or a physique goal, but there's a lot of well, I would say specifically a fat loss goal. But there's a lot of other goals that got going on as coaches. You know, whether it, you're talking about powerlifting meets, CrossFit competitions, running a marathon, like I say, having a happy, healthy pregnancy, um, going through the menopause, and just needing some support and some help. You know, there's there's a lot more to it than that. And I again, like I say, I think that there is, ironically. More of a hyper focus on the fat loss side of things from the anti diet community than there is behind closed doors as an active coach as someone who's in the trenches every day with clients. And this is why I really regret doing my first book because that was like very much to make the publishers happy, very much to get like a book deal. And I look back at it now and I really regret it. And I hate the fact that it's going to be out there with my name on it forever. I think part of like the throwing myself into coaching now which is de- definitely the number one part of my job and what I do is partly to kind of amend and appease that um being like I say in the trenches talking to women all day every day of all different ages shapes and sizes and all different goals I think is my way of kind of appeasing appeasing that regret and I I definitely do though you know just want to say that it, it's it's okay to have a physique goal. It's okay to have a fat loss goal. It's perfectly valid and it's fine. How you do it, and as Alice just very astutely pointed out, what you do when it's over is are the are pivotal, are the most important things, because they're going to ensure whether or not you keep these results and have a happy, healthy lifestyle balance or don't. There also has to be an acceptance that while maintenance is a thing and you can stay in, you know, aesthetic shape. You know, there or thereabouts, year round to a degree, and I'm not talking about shredded abs, lean, unless you're genetically built that way. <laughs> that your body will always be a reflection of where you are in your life and time. So when I'm when I'm in my luteal phase and I'm menstruating, I'm bloated, I'm crampy, I'm watery, and a lot of people are like it's in your head. It's not. You look different. I can see it on myself. I can see it on my friends. You look different. It's a it's a reflection of where you are at that time if you go on holiday to ibiza for a week like i've just done and you you know eat out you know two meals a day or three because you're in a hotel so three meals a day and if you're anything like me like love a booze you know you're sinking a a shit ton of calories and alcohol you better believe that your body's going to reflect that thereafter um the same goes for you know pre and postnatal and the same goes for um, the menopause and your body is always going to be a reflection of where you're in your life at that time and that's okay and that's not a bad thing anything that can show an incredible quality of life it can show as we're just talking about the menstrual system menstrual menstrual cycle it can show a really hormonally healthy body the ability to bear children and the ability to recover thereafter these are beautiful wonderful things Um, But it's also okay to accept that within that, like postnatally, it took me eight months to get my body back to a place and my psyche back to a place and my schedule back to a place where I could start going to the gym two or three times a week again. Eight months. And you better believe that that made me feel damn good when i could get back in there and that when my when my body started to look like mine again that also made me feel damn good because you lose your whole body to pregnancy and childbirth and it's a beautiful thing and you give it up if you know if you're anything like me you let go of the reins and you let it happen but man do you want to get yourself back after you've had a child and these things are valid and they're okay um and and there are ways to achieve it like i say you know, without hating your body, without punishing yourself, you can love yourself into change. You don't have to hate yourself into change. It's just a false narrative.
0: We'll be back after this. Welcome back to Give Me Strength. I completely agree with that. And I think that's actually a really positive way to look at it. And actually, like, that's why and that's where having a coach can be so vital, you know, when you're doing things on your own, and you're not necessarily having the guidance, it can actually be way harder than having someone that can listen to those days where you go, I'm really struggling or I'm finding this really difficult, this isn't working or whatever. I do think that's really important. Look, I've had my mentor, Andy, for six, seven years can't tell you more more as a coach than as a kind of than for anything else. But the amount of times like as a trainer, I've been a trainer now for almost 10 years, that's gone to and said, I still don't understand this or I'm really struggling with that. And I think just having that level of accountability, and I guess that's what you're learning day to day, isn't it? You're having so many women come to you. You're understanding the the peaks and troughs that come with I guess uh, you know achieving physique goals or just trying to, to to make lifestyle changes. And then you have such a broad perspective then when it comes to how to then help them achieve that but i do think that um that's a you know obviously it's a privileged thing to be able to have a coach but it is a really valuable thing to be able to do and actually means and i think facilitates a better relationship in terms of that journey rather than trying to go it out alone and get your information from youtube facebook instagram whatever it is and then you know sort of finding that you do come across because you're struggling so just back to my original question because we went way off (laughs) going back to where we were uh in terms of navigating that journey you know you onboard a client and they're saying to you that they they want to um have a fat loss goal and they want to kind of go through that in a in a very sustainable healthy way what are some of the practices that you use um to kind of see them through that journey
1: when it comes to the initial goal. Uh I really like to understand why. So, you know, I don't think it's particularly uh, particularly responsible for a coach to be told, like, I have a fat loss goal, I have a physique goal and not say why. I have to be on board with it as the coach. And there's also other questions that have to be asked before I get on board with it. Like, has someone ever struggled with an eating disorder? Um, I am not trained or am I qualified? I mean, recently I let a client go because she we were two days into into the plan and she told me that she had binge eating disorder. And I asked a lot of questions There's a lot of people use binge eating now as this like colloquial conversational term for like I over restrict and overindulge and that's not what binge eating is. So I asked this some questions and I determined, you know, with my own, you know, non um, non uh, qualified mind that it looked pretty much for me like clinical binge eating disorder. And I said, I, I can't have you on because I'm not qualified to help you. So there's lots of situations, and again, right off the bat, where you can be responsible with your clients before you even tell them what to do with their calories. Um, So there's that. The second thing I will ask them typically is, obviously, I need to know everything from their um, height, their weight, their age, everything. So I know what all their stats are. If they're happy to send me pictures, and not all clients are, but if they're happy to, just so I can get a look at their body composition. This is if they have a physique goal, just so we're clear. So under this bracket comes like body recomposition, any kind of muscle building, any kind of fat loss. When it comes to diet, I ask them, are you comfortable tracking? Do you want to track or do you not? Because tracking for me is a really nice crash course in nutrition. You learn about proteins, fats, carbs, you learn about calories. Um, You learn about what you're eating that maybe you could pull back on or swap for an alternative, like, I don't know, 15% beef mince for 5% beef mince, for example. And you learn you learn about kind of what your dietary habits are, what your staples are, and how we can work with them. Now, if the client's happy to track, and not all of them are, but if they're happy to track, based on their stats, I will give them uh, a calorie intake. I will always give them a minimum protein target to hit. Um, and I will always give them a minimum fat target to hit. And I will always start, pretty much where i reckon either maintenance or an extremely moderate deficit is and i start them there because you never really know with clients like if they if they're not really tracking at that time you never really know what they're actually eating and also it depends on this is this is about energy balance right so it depends on the output this is when i'll ask them about um do they track steps I ask them about any added cardio they do a week on top of any kind of weightlifting. And I try to get a feel for what their expenditure looks like. And then I will set them a realistic target. So say if they're doing... 55k steps a week, I'll say, I want you to aim for 60. If they say, I'm I'm maxed out with steps, I can't do any more. I'll say, okay, why don't we do like a little bit of 10 minute incline treadmill walking after your three workouts a week. Depending on what the goal is, I will either give them weightlifting workouts or goal specific workouts. And it completely depends. And from there, I monitor them and we try and etch into, we want to see a three weekly slight trend down on the scales. And we want to constantly and consistently allow for real life to still happen. So this is Really, I do this by, again, keeping, putting them, starting them at maintenance or in a very moderate deficit and potentially giving them maintenance days. Again, this is if they're happy to track. Days at maintenance so they can go out and they can eat with their friends and they can relax a bit. There's also the option of banking calories. So sometimes, say if I start a client on 1800 calories and they're like, you know what? I'm hitting 16 and I'm happy. I'm like, okay, so you have an extra 200 calories every day of this week. So if you want to go out on the weekend and drink with your girlfriends, you can, whatever. And try and consistently plat in their real life with with the diet with the deficit um and every time if it if we are let's say staying sitting pretty at maintenance and it's been three weeks and they're not seeing any results this is when i'll always give them an option of would you like to increase your activity by a neat or eat or would you like to decrease your deficit by calories and it's really interesting to me most of my clients and this always really surprises me because i'm a real foodie most of my clients want to decrease calories and leave expenditure where it is some of them um are are, most of them are much happier to do it, maintaining their activity, but I'm the opposite. Like I tend to find that if I want to increase my deficit, if I'm in a deficit for whatever reason, which I'm not right now, um, that I prefer, I prefer to increase activity. So it's really interesting. um, And there are ways of doing it as a coach responsibly. I speak to my clients every day, they check in with me every week. um, And it's all, it's, it's always been a really so far was so far i have yet to have a client come to me and say hey you really messed up my relationship with food and my body and it just hasn't happened yet but again i look back on my first book and i highly doubt that telling people to carve cycle in that book that i didn't give people issues with carbs and i hate myself for that every day
0: look you're, you're preaching to the converted like i literally published the most my first book i just cringe when i even think about it so don't worry <laughs> i'm totally with you there but i think that um you know, the over the overarching theme I get there is there's a lot of support and there's a lot of guidance and there's a lot of flexibility. And I love that because I think that's really important. You know, Chloe, if there were one thing that I think is is so important to understand is, again, like if someone has a fat loss goal, I think they need to have choices. I don't think it needs to be this kind of binary option of just being like, this is what you have to do. And it's really strict. And I know people who've been put on things like that. You know, one of my best friends recently went through a fat loss phase and went to see a coach. And, you know, I stayed completely out of it because I was like, this is your decision to go and do that. And, you know, it's not something that I I can help you with because it's too close to home. You know, what they got back was an incredibly binary kind of um, diet fitness program back. And I think what I get from you is there is that flexibility. I think that absolutely in terms of when it comes to dieting, one of the most crucial things is still being able to live your life. Obviously, if we're talking about getting absolutely shredded and you referenced this in the in your kind of opening um, chat, that that takes an incredible amount of discipline and, and life kind of has to go a little bit out the window. But when we're talking about kind of general health and fitness physique goals, I do think that being able to incorporate things like your favorite foods um your you know lifestyle events that are important to you like still being able to do those things whilst also in the pursuit of a fat loss goal and what it sounds like is that you very much are kind of hand in hand catering to those with your clients I think that's really important
1: yeah it's incredibly important you have to cater to the client and every client is different has a different life do you have kids do you not have kids do you work a full-time job do you work a part-time job are you a student everybody's life is different you have to cater to them and you have to meet the client where they are always and they're always somewhere different um, and also you have to try and, like I say, I, you have to try and platin in real life as you go while keeping them on route to their results. And, you know, the all or nothing mentality, the pendulum swing is why they keep going back and forth and back and forth. Most of them have lost weight before. They've lost body fat, I should say, before. Most of them haven't kept it off. And this is where we get into a pendulum swing. And like I say that, you know, most of my clients are there with really um, absolutely achievable, maintainable physique goals. I've only had two clients in the last two years who have a real physique goal one of them competed at pro physique and she was in the like uh, the body transformation category because she used to be obese she did incredibly well um and yeah she's great she's now completely reverse dieted dieted out of it she's doing loads of performance goals now she's on um just over 2000 calories she's fine she handled it and that was because she had all the support she needed um and another one did just completed a photo shoot and we're kind of, we're, we're trying to kind of keep her at maintenance because she's got a holiday next week and she wants to feel the same in her own skin now as she did then. And then we're going to reverse her out of it and try, and try and, I think also some women, not all women, because some women having a quote unquote goal is a downfall. It's like the pressure's on, they're gunning for it, gunning for it, gunning for it. And then like you say, they get there and then what? And that is a huge problem. Having a coach helps because they can navigate you out of it. But for some clients, I think having a goal is really, really helpful. And when they get to the end of, so one of the clients I'm talking about, who's just on a a photo shoot, when they get to the end of that, I know exactly what I want to switch her to. She's just gotten really into Brazilian jiu-jitsu. She's gone from doing one session a week to three sessions. I'm going to switch it to a performance goal. This is what I want you to focus on getting better at now. We take that hyper-focus off-body image and we put it on something that she's equally passionate about, which is, I mean, you can argue whether or not it's healthy. It <laughs> depends if she gets hurt doing a role. But, you know, there's always, for some clients, there's always something that you can really divert that focus onto and it, and it really helps. And like I say, for others, it's a really bad idea. You just have to determine what kind of client you've got with you.
0: I think that having performance goals is just so brilliant, though. Like, that's how I fell in love with training again, was like really taking the focus back to what can I get better at in the gym? I know that I love training, but just pivoting the focus a little bit. And in doing that, you can get so much more from that journey of exercise because it's been a constant one rather than there being this kind of like, I need to train all the way up until this point. And then what? It's like, well, let me just try getting strong at this or you know, being able to do this and then pivot, let me try and do this instead. I just think it's so much more, it has so much more longevity in terms of a, 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 an exercise relationship rather than just let me train in this very specific way for a very specific amount of time. But one of the things that I am really interested in, you kind of referenced this earlier, is um, your pregnancy and then coming out the other side of that. I know that a lot of women that listen to this podcast and a lot of women that follow me are going through that stage of their life and, and all the kind of body image issues that that throws and the training issues as well in terms of being able to see their training through their pregnancy, but then also having a complete life shift when their baby comes along and they have to kind of prioritize different things. How have you found that? And what's your kind of relationship with exercise like now? How do you sort of fit it around being able to be a mom at the same
1: time as, as as I guess, have your own fitness goals? It's really interesting. Like I say about, I'm lucky like I don't have any deep-seated like body image issues so when i got pregnant i was just absolutely fine to be like let go of the reins try and have a happy healthy you know active you know nutritious pregnancy to a degree but also i got really bad morning sickness i mean i didn't have hyperemesis because like by week 15 it started to peter off thank god but it was awful it was from like it started at like two o'clock in the morning and would go to like eight o'clock at night every day oh, for like, oh my god four that was hell Um, so I couldn't train every day absolutely not not when you want to vomit everywhere you cannot go to the gym and I remember just lying on my sofa being like oh my god I really thought I was going to be one of those women that was like I trained every day until the day I went into labor I was on the gym floor the morning I gave birth like no that was not happening for me and I realized that early on then in my second trimester like everyone says it's the honeymoon phase of pregnancy and it was for me initially I got back into the gym and I was back into lifting and obviously you know avoiding certain things because you're pregnant, but still going, still going in and training hard and enjoying it. And then I got iron deficiency anemia and I just started fainting all over the shop. And can I please, one time I fainted on a plane, when you cannot catch your breath and you're in a tin can up in the sky, pregnant, there's nothing scarier. So that's, kind of given me a bit of ptsd now in that i get really bad claustrophobia which i've never ever ever suffered with before oh chloe i'm so sorry then i had to deal with that and obviously my training took a hit because your energy levels are on the floor and it takes weeks for iron supplements to kick in and then in your third, tri- in my third trimester, I was back to training again. Kind of got got my body back together, but then I just got so big that then there's loads of stuff you can't do. Because especially with me, like I'm a I'm a pretty dynamic weightlifter. Like I don't really use machines, and so it's just a bit like oh god. So it was really tricky. But look, I tried my best every week. I tried to do my best. And that's all you can do. My approach to diet was to really prioritise health, but then around those kind of like healthy meals or whatever, let myself have the things I wanted. Um, I even had the odd glass of wine in pregnancy, which nobody is allowed to talk about, but I would say every every two or three weeks, I'd have a glass, a small glass of wine with my Sunday lunch. And that was like a little treat for me every few weeks. And I just really tried to like listen to my body, treat it respectfully and, and be as responsible as I could with it while still kind of allowing myself to be, to be human. Um, and then it was really the postnatal journey that I found challenging, not in terms of my body image so much, but more because I was desperate to get back to the gym. And I wasn't given the all clear for my physio until I was 16 weeks postpartum. And that's a long time, 16 weeks of having to do rehab on your pelvic floor, your diastasis recti, um, everything. It was it was really, really tough and long winded. So when I was told I could get back in the gym again, I was just like in there like a sure. shot then you kind of get put on the back foot i mean i'm sure you can tell this is a whole journey but you kind of get put on the back foot because you then you realize that you can't train as many days a week as you do you're lucky if you get to the gym once a week so that was a learning curve and it took me about eight eight or nine months eight or nine months postpartum i finally got to a place where i was going to the gym two three four times a week if i was lucky and i was starting to figure out that balance but my, my biggest piece of advice to anyone listening who's postnatal Is be really patient with yourself. Don't give up. Keep trying, but be patient with yourself because it takes a while to figure it out again, and it's a really like nonlinear mental journey.
0: (laughs) I think that's really good advice. And if you know, I haven't had children myself, but I know that all of my friends that have done that journey thus far, they also say like it takes a lot longer than you think it's going to. So I know many of them were like, you know, I'm going to go for a walk within the first week, and I'm going to be in the gym by week four, and. You know, sometimes those goals, as you said, like sixteen weeks is a long time. But I guess you're grateful for the fact that you were patient and you did the rehab, which I guess is really important. And then have come out the other side, and 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 I guess hopefully feel great. I um, really feel that that kind of aspect of of um, I guess coming out of pregnancy and then and then learning to train again is quite a difficult one, just because you can't have the flexibility that you used to. And you can't be that person that's like, you know, I can get up at 6am like me right now. And I think this is this worry that I have where like, I'm so selfish in my lifestyle right now in terms of, I can just get up and go to the gym and do whatever I want. So I know that it's a big worry for me. So I think that, um, it's really nice to hear you say, you know, you can't be perfect, but you just do your best every week. And I think actually, you know, even pregnancy aside, that's actually a great way to approach training in itself you know, life throws so much at you. And so many of us are juggling multiple things at a time. I think when when often we put these like really kind of strict parameters on ourselves to go to the gym X amount of times and, you know, be this perfect with everything. It's actually just so unrealistic that just trying to
1: aim for your best every week is such a brilliant way to look at it. Well, definitely. And, and your best is, is often enough. I just did a whole podcast on this. Your best is often enough. Your best is often all you need to do. And again, the problem the problem that I think a lot of women have with like getting or staying, quote unquote, in shape, whether that's, you know, internally or externally or whatever, it's just like kind of throwing in the towel all or nothing mentality. Well, if I can't be perfect, then I can't be anything. It's just complete nonsense. It's like if you just make the best decision you can at every turn and accept the fact that sometimes it's not going to be, you know, the it's not going to be in line with the physique goal or whatever, you're probably going to get and stay in shape like if, like for the rest of your life. It's this whole like, well, I couldn't get to the gym this week for three days in a row. So I guess I'll just, you know, go out now and fall in the bucket bucket and get completely hammered with my friends and get a McDonald's on the way home. It's this mentality that's ruining it for you. If you're just like, oh, actually, you know what? Okay, you haven't been to the gym. Like, well, I'll go for a walk instead. And actually, I really want to go out for drinks with my girlfriends this week. So, you know, maybe I'll, you, you need, you need options. You need to be fluid with it and you need to always think, okay, so I can't do that. What can I do? And it's, that's it. And that's, that's often enough. And actually, one of the biggest things that I
0: think, you know, particularly myself, that I've really had to unlearn is this idea that there is like two ends of the spectrum. You're either really good or really bad. And there's no gray area in between. And actually, where I exist now is I don't want to eat crap. I don't purport this idea that, you know, fuck it, eat whatever you want, because I fundamentally believe that there are foods that are going to be more nutrient dense and better for us than others. And I do really believe in that. I believe that relationship with food should be prioritised.
1: It's a fact. I hate this idea all well, calories are no, they're not. There's really nutritious foods and there's not so nutritious foods. And yet we should have more of one, but you can have some of the other. And like I, it's not a belief, Alice. It's a fact. <laughs> okay, we're on the same page there.
0: But yeah, I think that what I fell into very early on was this idea that I had to be perfect all the time. And actually, if you deviated away from that, that was suddenly, oh, I've been really bad this week. Oh, I haven't been, I haven't been uh, consistent this week. So actually, I'm just going to fall off the wagon. You know, as that, as that awful saying goes. So I think that actually, yeah, you're absolutely right that having choices, having options and going back to our previous point, you know, being able to be flexible in your approach is probably the most crucial thing and learning to roll with that flexibility is so important, particularly if you have a fat loss goal. Squeeze in my final question because I know you're a busy lady. Um, My last thing is really just asking what's next for you. I know that in our little introduction, you were talking about podcasts and things. I don't know if you can talk about any of that, but I would love to hear what is coming up and what you've got in the pipeline. There's a
1: few things. I'm meant to be writing my fifth book, but I can't lie to you. I'm just not doing it. I'm just sat here (laughs) not doing what I'm meant to be doing. Um, So at some point I'm going to actually have to pull my finger out and do that. Um, I actually have, yeah. So for coaching really, we've got the EC method, which is the big group coaching. My one-to-one coaching, which is much more, um, as it sounds, one-to-one and bespoke um, than group. You can DM me if you're interested in either of these. Um, I've got three podcasts. The EC Method podcast is just a coaching podcast for our clients, but I think we've had over 1.8 million downloads now. So I think a lot more people are listening to it than our clients, which is mildly terrifying because we just treat it like it's a private phone call. Um, The podcast is my podcast. We're doing season five now and it'll be out in about two weeks so sometime in august end of july early august it'll be out me and james are doing a new podcast called let's be honest which i mean it's just going to be an absolute shit show because we did couples quarantine and lockdown and all we did was argue in front of a microphone but um there's been a there's been a that we never dropped off on downloads people still listen it listen to it now like years later and um so we're doing a new one called let's be honest um, and I'm filming a new show with ITV at the moment, which is terrifying. But it's uh, it's good because I because I get to spend like way more time with Bodhi and call it work. <laughs> Can I just I say it's stressful like filming a show, but when you actually like you know when you really work, you're like this doesn't work. <laughs> I am most excited for the podcast with James. I think that's going to be chaos, but so brilliant.
0: I am very much looking forward to that. I will be listening. And also, just before we go, Chloe, I saw something on your Instagram, which was really interesting about the Nuffield Health Move Together campaign. Um, What is this? Tell me more. What are you doing?
1: It's really interesting. So Nuffield Health uh, conducted a big research study where they tried to get to the bottom of why so many young girls, and really it's 11 to 16 year olds, were bunking pee in schools and avoiding kind of extracurricular exercise. And there were loads of determining factors, but the most predominant one was that more than two thirds, I think it's 84% exactly, of young girls felt that they, their passion for and interested in, and interest in all exercise and sport really diminished once they started their menstrual cycle. It showed that over a third of young girls didn't want to partake in any physical activity um, at all around their menstrual cycle out of fear of embarrassment, I, I suppose. And it also showed a statistic that I really related to is that one in five um, young girls felt that PE in school just didn't cater to their interest in, in exercise or sport at all. And that was me. I feel like all I was ever offered was like netball, hockey, um, rounders. And it just That just wasn't the way that I like to move my body or exercise. I felt very pressurized in team environments. I got really bad anxiety around like team sport. Um, And it wasn't until I was like in my late, mm, early, was it early 20s? Yeah, early 20s that I found weightlifting and I wish I'd found it sooner because I think it would have really helped me with my mental health and generalized anxiety disorder as as a teen and an early, you know, young adult. Um, So really the Move Together campaign is just Nuffield Health are now putting on weekly um, exercise classes all around the UK, some indoors, some outdoors, um, basically catering to a myriad of different sporting interests from Boxing to weightlifting circuit to Pilates yoga, um, just to try and get young girls out of school and into exercise without feeling so much kind of fear and embarrassment, a kind of sense of togetherness and and uh, social activity. And and so yeah, I'm just I'm talking about it for them. I'm trying to raise awareness for them because I just think it's a really great campaign.
0: I love that, and I actually think one of the biggest messages we can put around exercise is associate it to it being fun from a really early age rather than it being about competitiveness and who's the best or whatever, it's about let's move our bodies and have fun doing it at the same time so that we can sustain that relationship, you know, for the rest of our lives rather than it just being something we do at school. So that just sounds like the most wonderful campaign and absolutely like I'm 100% behind that. I think it's a brilliant idea. I was never a fitness girly at school. My God. <laughs> I think I remember hiding in the changing rooms probably nine times out of 10. Chloe, thank you so much for today. Um, you are just, yeah, you're such a brilliant person. I think you always come at it from such a rational and grounded perspective. And I think that the more we have in the industry that, uh, you know, that are like yourself, that have that kind of very realistic, but nurturing approach to to fat loss, to physique goals, and really do it in a responsible way, I think the better. So Thank you so much for coming on. It's been a really great conversation and um, we'll put the links to all of that stuff in the show notes so that people can click through to that if they want to. Uh, And yeah, good luck with filming of the show. Can't
1: wait to watch. Good luck with the wedding. It's so exciting.
0: Thank you so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed that episode. I would love it if you could take some time to rate review, and follow the podcast as it really helps others to find it. We have a new episode dropping each week, so this will also ensure you don't miss out. See you next time. Insanity Group.